Anita. Flex and Frooms. Flex and Frooms. This is the Flex and Frooms Catch-Up Podcast. Happy Monday, guys. Today we chatted about why you can't dive to the bottom of the ocean. Very, very enthralling conversation. Let's go. <laughs> You're listening to Flex and Frooms. We, well, when I say we, I like Joe Jonas. Um, I have been a big fan of Joe Jonas probably for the last year. I think I got involved with Joe Jonas fandom probably when his brother came out with Jealous. I turn him G, who's in cup? Um, We love that song. Anyway, we saw that Joe Jonas and Sophie Turner broke up recently and so Joe Jonas is on the top of our feed, for better or worse. Mickey, producer Mickey, has found a grab discussing how Joe Jonas looks in person. I just walked into a CVS and um, the security guy goes, oh, Joe Jonas. And I said, hey, man, what's going on? And he, like, goes shake his hand and he goes, man, you look crazy in person. I, um... Is that a compliment? Babes, if you're asking if something is a compliment, respectfully, you have been dragged. You have been dragged in CVS of all places. I used to get, so I'll never forget, I can't remember if I've said this on air, but I remember a few years ago I went and did a spin class. And midway through the spin class, the chick's like, this is packed house. Oh my God, are you are you frooms? Are you frooms? And I was like, yeah, yeah. She's like, I thought you would be way you're way taller in person or something about like my height. And I just remember being like, that's like neither here nor there in terms of savagery. But I just remember being like, oh my God, it's such a weird feeling to be perceived as like crazier or taller or smaller mm. or shorter. Have you ever experienced something like that, girls? I feel like I am shorter in person, but people don't usually mention it. I like to ask. <laughs> Sorry, nice. I just had a bit of sound effects. I like to ask just to double check, but it starts and stops there because... I don't want people talking about my appearance unless it's positive. And I'm talking like objectively positive, not read between the lines. Was that a compliment? Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Leave, me enough. <laughs> Leave me out of it. Um, Mickey, what about you, doll? At my old office in lockdown, we used to play a game that was commissioned by me where we would guess people's heights okay. if they started during lockdown. So obviously like when people joined the team and then they started in lockdown, you wouldn't know how tall anyone was. And then I made like everyone like guess how tall do we think so-and-so was? Like do they give tall or short energy? Was they anyone can tell by people's necks, neck really? lengths. Yeah, like short people have short necks, they say. And once you start looking, it, it makes sense. <laughs> See, you, I think I have a longer than average neck. I thought you were taller in person. You th- so wait, as in you thought I was going to be shorter? No, I thought you'd be taller. Oh, really? Yeah, tiny tot. Oh no, I don't <laughs> even know how tall Frumi is to be honest. Because I thought I don't know. I just looked at all your photos and I just assumed you'd be like towering over me. No, babe. <laughs> you on the face tune, Frumi? You looking? <laughs> <laughs> A couple of weeks ago, we were talking about the term eco-anxiety and how it's gendered. Eco-anxiety is this idea that women are disproportionately feeling responsible for saving the planet. And that includes making small changes like, I mean, they're not even small changes, but Frooms, for example, does this really great thing where she takes a mug to a cafe to reduce her single-use plastic. She always drinks out of a, out of a reusable bottle. She shops secondhand. This is something that I feel like a lot of my women friends do. They're making a lot of small, small changes because they feel personally responsible. And I read this article that says, isn't it interesting how um, the discussion around climate anxiety doesn't really feel like it's hitting the men as deeply? And I don't know, maybe it is, but we have a listener letter from a person called Charlotte who says, I was listening to the pod the other day 
where you were discussing how women in the home tend to bear most of the responsibility or the fear to do with small acts of climate action. And it got me thinking about how this expands outside of the home. Stereotypical male hobbies and interests, golfing, fishing, car animal racing and so on, all can have immense negative environmental impacts. And yet this doesn't seem to be a conversation with male friendship circles. Comparatively, more and more women are being climate conscious with their hobbies, learning how to sew, crochet, to make long lasting clothes, op shop, garden, cook with what's around. It got me thinking as to where in the world this difference may have arisen from. Would love to hear your thoughts. Love you all. What do you reckon for me? Wah, wah, we wah. Um, I feel like if we had to go through like, quote unquote, again, like women's hobbies, if we're going to go full gender um, and you could find just as many that are like bad for the environment. Mm. I think this is like a selective look at things and like how many people are actually crocheting. To be honest, the only time I've taken up knitting, I've just thrown out what I've made. Damn. So, <laughs> but you know, some of us just don't have it like that, as you say. Like, I feel like there's plenty of things that. Is golfing bad for the environment? Oh, I guess they're pulling down trees to make it. But Sydney ciders will be excited to learn that they are making... grasses takes a lot of water to maintain. Oh. And the buggy. Oh, surely that's... (laughs) All the balls going into the water. I think it just keeps coming back to the fact that if we want any kind of positive change, we can't be relying on the many. It really is individual, like the compounding impact of the individual, the individual, the individual. Because if you look around with anything that matters, there will always be one person doing more than their neighbour. And that is just the way, unfortunately. I think it just comes to how you can sleep at night. And I feel as though like climate guilt is a really interesting one. And it's like a lot of guilt. It lacks a lot of purpose. Like it makes you feel special because you feel bad, but you don't really do anything about it anyway. So it's like, I feel like it's all in the title. It needs to be less climate anxiety and more climate action. Major. I have been in a little bit of a Reddit hole recently. I saw this meme, which was like Googling something and then putting Reddit at the end to get an actual answer. (laughs) And that's not like fluff. Literally, I just wish everyone on the planet, if you haven't already gotten around Reddit, which I'm sure you have if you're a listener, it's truly my favourite place on the internet. Also, I had such like an individuality pick-me complex in high school because I would go on Reddit <laughs> and I'd feel like I knew more than anyone else. Anyway, it obviously still hasn't worn I mean, off. You probably did at the time if you were on Reddit in primary school, you said? No, high school. High school. Still, yeah. I don't know what on earth. I wish you could go back in the archives and see what you searched for. Too real. I've made a few burner accounts. So I just <laughs> have it been known, have it been known. Anyway, I came across this question um, about why I can't dive to the bottom of the ocean. Like we always, I, I've wondered like how can there be things that live on the bottom of the ocean, but then humans can only get to a certain point before like dying. Do you know why that is, Flexi? Because um, of the pressure. Like you'll just implode. And how does that work? Like what, what about your body is imploding? Like, is it the pressure on all sides? Is that the vibe? Well, like, the density of the water, right? Like, the further you go. Because, like, let's say you go a metre down. Let's say that's you're only a metre down. It's only a metre of water pressure that's on you. You go 200 metres down, it's 200 metres of pressure on you. From the top? From the top, yeah. Hmm, interesting. Right? Well, I think you might be incorrect, but also... For ages, I just thought it was because you can't hold your breath underwater. Oh, you thought that was it? Kind of. Huh. How else does the mermaids happen? Anyway, I found an answer that's going to pique everyone's interest, I believe. Ready. Okay, so, for example, let's use the fish that live down the bottom. You know how there's, like, Mm -hmm. those blob fish that are crazy? 
if you bring them, deepwater fish, to the surface, they will expand and die. And that's the reason why the blobfish looks like a blob. It's somewhat normal at pressure, but then you bring it up and that's why it looks like it's melted. Mm-hmm. I'm uh, hearing the phrase pressure in there and I did say <laughs> pressure. <laughs> but this person thinks, I think the major, major factor that hasn't been discussed is the presence of compressible materials. So humans have air in their bodies, primarily in their lungs, but also in the sinuses, joints and blood. As you dive down, this air gets compressed. This is actually an interesting phenomena in freediving. When you start diving, you actually are pretty buoyant and you have to kick downwards. But once you get a few metres down, the water pressure compresses your lungs enough that you begin to sink on your own. I ate. Okay. <laughs> however, however, I wondered as well, what happens when you go into space? Because we know as well, don't people explode when they go into space? Like in water you compress and then I think you explode? Like that's Explode and implode, but I guess it's water versus some kind of not air matter. I don't know. Well, to look at it the other way, if you were ejected from a spaceship, you have the chance to get to another ship. You would want to breathe out, otherwise your lungs explode. Why do the lungs explode instead of the air just being forced out of them through your nose and mouth? From an in-atmosphere perspective, experiencing a rapid depressurization, you'll only be damaged if you try to forcefully hold your breath. So you want to just open your nose and mouth and push it out. So, yeah, that's interesting. In case we all... open your nose? Huh? What do you mean open your nose? Like, you know how, like, okay, if I was to jump out of a spaceship, I'd be like, (gasps) and grab my breath, which I would explode. Whereas if I jumped out and exhaled as I jump out, (laughs) then you won't explode. Okay. (laughs) Let's give it a go. I'm going to say, I'm not part of NASA, however. Just exhale, everyone. (laughs) You're listening to Flex and Frooms. On Kata. In case you missed it, Kylie Jenner has launched a new fashion brand called Car. You might be thinking, why is this interesting? Because this is off the back of a failed uh, brand, Kylie Swim. She launched a collection that looked great on her, but by the time it arrived with everybody else, it was poorly made. People said it was comparable to Shein. It was see-through. There was no kind of support and it was overpriced. And so she just kind of quietly shut that one down and kept it pushing. Since then, she's also been really quiet around Kylie Skin and Kylie Baby, her other brands maybe it was just more of a skimsy we were having we just didn't notice also the kylie makeup hasn't been popping and so people are kind of like why in yeah why are you pushing this clothing thing why are you pushing product if it clearly does not work anyway so it's a 12-piece collection um it's predominantly faux leather garments people are saying it's vegan leather people are saying it's leather (laughs) i was under the impression that vegan vegan leather was made with plant-based materials like pineapple leather that type of thing not just plastic leather but maybe it is vegan because it's plastic yeah i love that i don't know plastic doesn't have feelings she said that the collection is inspired from her own wardrobe the prices are between 88 to 365 look it's fine it's a cute little thing and it's in collaboration with a really cool streetwear brand called namilia here's the thing though kylie launched this uh Kylie launched this brand and the very next day she was seen at the Wall Street Journal Magazine Innovator Awards winning a brand innovator award for Kai. Oh. Hmm. Hmm. I know they say these things are pay to play, but I didn't realize it'd be that blatant. Like you could just really just get up there and 
win awards for stuff but maybe and then I'm thinking this brand innovation if you look at the brand she collabed with Namilia it's it's definitely just their clothing there's right. really no no Kylie blueprint on there at all so really they won the award I would say the real mastermind though is Emma Greed she is the woman that is I'm pretty sure she's either the business development manager or the general manager or the co-founder of so many of the Kardashian brands Good American with Khloe Kardashian Skims um, Skin the Kim Kardashian skincare brand. She is the real mastermind and totally understands the way that you can leverage celebrity to sell products. The celebrities themselves, give or take, they're not really eating, but her, Emma Greed, genius. I just, I'm so obsessed. So her name, last name is Greed, but it's not spelt like G-R-R-E-D, but it's pronounced that way. It's like, I can't believe we're in 2023. We're living in a universe. I'm having realizations. Who is paying for Tinder? First of all, who is using Tinder? I have it on good authority of my friends and acquaintances who are, I would say, prolific daters. They're back on Tinder. Whoa. I'm very surprised by this information because from my understanding, Tinder is not just the original hookup app, but the quality and the calibre of people, some would say, was not up to scratch. People really do prefer Hinge because it feels like creatives and quote-unquote cool people. Is it? Who knows? Tinder has forever had a really terrible reputation. So when they announced that they were launching a $499 per month program. Per month? USD. Sorry, I said (gasps) AUD, AUD before. It's USD. Listen to this. According to the Match Group's latest earning call, Tinder has learned that younger generations prefer lower priced and shorter duration products. So they've begun testing a low cost weekly subscription. As far as Tinder Select, the app's $499 per month program goes, the membership count remains at a very low level, though execs are optimistic about the financial potential of the product, expecting tens of millions of dollars in revenue next year from this membership to reach $10 million 1,670 users would have to subscribe for a year okay yeah wow that doesn't sound like a lot when Tinder has like a bajillion users so I guess they're onto something they might be I feel like if you're a professional you've gone through every little professional role what? like a professional person you know okay if you're a, prof- a young professional and you've you know you've got a busy work schedule mm-hmm. This could be an appealing thing to try. Do you know what you what Tinder Select four hundred ninety nine bucks USD a month gets you? No. Uh, direct. Okay, it says on the website with Tinder Select you get access to these unique perks: direct message up to two times a week. You can send someone a message without having to match first. Oh, I hate that. <laughs> Skip the line. People you like will see your profile unblurred in the likes you section even if they don't have a gold or platinum Tinder subscription. No, because then everyone can tell I'm spending $500. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) Okay, there's special status. Show off your membership with an exclusive select badge. No! (laughs) Okay, VIP experience. Membership spots are limited to less than 1% of users to ensure you receive the most exclusive experience and early access. Be among the first to test new features in advance. This is sickening. It's crazy. This is sickening. You're paying to be like a test yeah and also 
I don't want, okay, if I was this person, mm-hmm. I don't want to be seen shown first yeah. because you need to let them sift through. When you first start sifting, like first start swiping, the first 10 people, you think it's just the first of many amazing matches. You get to your 50th swipe and really <laughs> I feel like you're a little less picky. So Tinder, I reckon say that you'll be, say that like you'll be put between. These are some free ideas you're just giving away, babe. (laughs) Slow down. Oh my word. You've been listening to the Flex and Frooms daily podcast. For more, tune in to Cater on DAB or stream it on iHeartRadio.